and suitcases. His hands were clasped lightly behind his back. Don't be such a child, he replied. Oh, I'm a child now. Is that what I am? She asked excitedly. Her accent was somewhere between English and Scottish. Yes, that's exactly what you are. The woman looked up at Edward. She was older than he was, maybe thirty-five or forty, with pale skin and dark wavy hair, beautiful in a way that was long out of fashion, like a girl in a silent movie. He could see the pale tops of her breasts in their lacy white cups. Edward hated this kind of public display. It was like rounding a corner and stumbling directly into somebody's bedroom, and he tried to slide past her, but she made eye contact before he could make his escape. And what about you? Are you just going to stand there looking down my dress, or are you going to help me look for my earring? He stopped. For a critical moment, a simple diplomatic response eluded him. Almost anything would have sufficed, a graceful demurral, a half-decent witticism, a lofty silence. But he blanked. Sure, he muttered. Slowly, awkwardly, he crouched down next to her. The woman picked up the exchange with her companion, her husband, Edward decided, as if nothing had interrupted them. Well, I'd rather be a child, she said, than an old man with a red face. Edward frowned, studying the glittering cement sidewalk and pretending to have suddenly gone profoundly deaf. He had somewhere to be and his own business to mind. But he couldn't help noticing that the couple was impeccably dressed. He had a professional knack for estimating incomes, and he smelled money here. The man wore a perfectly tailored light flannel summer suit, the woman a fitted cream sundress that matched her hat. He was thin and a little ravaged-looking, with a thick shock of white hair. His complexion, actually, was a little florid, as if he'd just gotten back from a spell in the tropics. The luggage piled up on the cart was extravagant, made of deep green leather with a rough pebbly texture, and it included pieces of every imaginable shape and size, from tiny cubicle vanity cases to giant steamer trunks studded with gleaming metal clasps to a circular hat box the size of a bass drum. It was old-fashioned, either vintage or a meticulous recreation thereof. It had the glamorous air of an early twentieth-century transatlantic ocean liner, the kind featured in old newsreels being christened with bottles of champagne amid silent storms of confetti. A sedan with tinted windows idled by the curb. On each piece of luggage was a label with a single word in small or large letters. Waymarsh. Edward decided to break his silence. So what did it look like, he asked. The earring, I mean. The woman looked at him as if a passing shih tzu had suddenly spoken. Silver. The backing must have fallen off. She paused, then added unhelpfully, it's a yard's tale. The older man got tired of waiting and knelt down too, pausing first to tug up the legs of his trousers with the air of somebody being dragged into something that was infinitely beneath his dignity. Soon they were joined by the driver, a sallow man with a weak chin, a virtual straight line from his lower lip to his collar, who looked cautiously under the limousine. The doorman finished loading the luggage into the trunk. Edward sensed that they shared the older man's dislike of the woman in the sun hat. They were allied against her. Something crunched under Edward's right heel. He drew back his foot to reveal the crushed remains of the earring. Judging from its surviving twin, it must have been shaped like a delicate silver hourglass. 
but now it was a scrap of mashed tinsel indistinguishable from a gum wrapper. Serves her right for dragging him into this, he thought. He stood up. Sorry, he said, without making any special effort to sound apologetic. I didn't see it. Edward held out his hand. The woman stood up too, her face flushed from squatting for so long. He expected an explosion. But instead, she looked like she'd just gotten exactly what she wanted for Christmas. She flashed him a heartbreaking smile and plucked the earring delightedly from his hand. As she did so, he noticed something he'd missed before. A drop of blood, swollen and fully formed, dangling tremulously from her delicate earlobe. Another spot of blood was visible on the shoulder of her dress right below it. Look, Peter, he utterly demolished it. She turned gaily to her husband, who was brushing invisible dirt from his sleeves. Well, you could at least try to feign some interest.